Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I generally frown upon chapel speakers who introduce their message by complaining about the topic assigned to them, (laughs) but allow me to frown upon myself. I'm still baffled as to why Pastor Anderson stuck it to me with love. I mean, look at all the other qualities in our theme verse. Speech, I can talk about that. Conduct, I could act on that. Faith, I believe I could address that. Purity, I'm good with that. (laughs) But love, I guess I know a little about that, but why talk about it? My German upbringing renders this point moot. (laughs) Intimacy issues preclude any comfortable conversation about love. Those of you who know me know that I prefer to greet with a fist bump because even a handshake hints of unwelcomed intimacy. I mean, two hands embracing each other. But all these issues of mine rest upon the assumption that love is reduced to a mere feeling. I want something more. I want something strong. I want a fact. Maybe that fact then could induce in me, dare I say, a feeling. But let's not start with our feelings. That's got problems written all over it. There are at least two potential problems when we start with our feelings, especially our feelings about our relationship with God. And the first potential problem surfaces when we feel good about our relationship with God. And don't get me wrong, I believe that God is truly pleased when we feel his love, when we feel secure in his grace, but there's always that potential danger that we feel loved by God because we think we're so lovable. I hate to break it to you, but you and I are not by nature lovable. Sorry. The second potential problem surfaces when we, in fact, feel unlovable. I mean, not only does that cause us to feel alone and lonely, which is no fun, but left unchecked, it can lead to bitterness, which in turn can lead to doing some pretty stupid and unlovable things, which in turn throws us further into that pit of despair. So might I suggest that we not start with our feelings, but rather let's start with the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Start with how God feels about us. In Latin, we call it favor dei, which means that God is a little like Mikey in that old Life cereal commercial, which means he likes us. Even more, he loves us. He loves us despite us. Miserable sinners, though we be, God sent his son to Calvary. So let's start with how God feels about us. He loves us. We don't deserve it, but he loves us. And to quote Bill Murray in the movie Stripes, that's a fact, Jack. The next fact. God overcame our unrighteousness and our unlovableness with his own righteousness and his own love. You see, the only way we're going to get righteous is if we're given righteousness 
from outside of us. It's got to come from outside and simply given to us. And that's just what God did. He took Christ's righteousness and simply and graciously and divinely credited it to us. And we lay hold of it simply by faith. An act itself created by God. God has credited us with his son's righteousness. We got it. Well, we don't deserve it, but through faith, we've got it. And that's a fact, Jack. Next fact. God's love has to do with his uh, declaration of innocence and righteousness. See, we don't become acceptable to God. We are declared acceptable by God. You and I are guilty of sin. We're guilty of sin. And yet we have been pronounced innocent. God said so. But he said so because he remained very quiet at the most profound moment in history. The same voice of God speaks lovingly to you and me because it remained hauntingly silent when Christ cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that sound of silence, our sins were condemned in Christ. And in the sound of grace, we have been declared righteous for the sake of Christ. And that's a fact, Jack. So let's review the facts. Uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's really not our doing. Rather, it's all God's doing. It's his attitude of love and mercy. It's his act of redemption in Christ. It's his declaration of righteousness for the sake of Christ. Well, if this love thing is all God's doing, what are we supposed to do? How about, say, thank you. And now that we got the facts straight, maybe we can feel the love too. You know, love is both a fact and a feeling. It is both propositional and incarnational. I like propositional truth statements. They're either true or false, simple and clear. Well, God's love for us is a propositional truth statement, which in Christ happens to be true. God says to you and me, I love you. It's a statement. But God's love is also a person, Jesus Christ. In fact, it's Christ that makes God's statement a fact. So now we're encouraged to live loved, just like that theme from our national youth gathering this summer in San Antonio. Live loved. That's the only way we're going to be able to imitate God's love, as our Bible reading suggested. Now, I conceded at the outset that the fact of God's love could induce in you and me a feeling. And whereas God's love for us is not contingent upon our feeling it, feeling God's love is way cool. And whereas feeling God's love is not necessary to be loved, it may be necessary to show love. So live loved, then live love. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. Amen.